Welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. My name is Jeff. I'm here with my friend, Zach. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. I don't know why I said my friend twice. Probably because I'm your friend. Yeah, it's true. I would like to think so. That's yeah. why you said it, right? <laughs> Just wanted to, maybe I'm reinstating it. It's like a Freudian thing, you know what I mean? I appreciate like, that. For myself. You've been mad at me for a while, from what it sounds. You just haven't told me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just my friend, my, my friend, friend, my friend. My friend, my friend. That's definitely not like an American thing to say, but a foreign Oh, that's thing. true, my, but there are friend. other cultures that do yeah. that. Yeah, we don't do that. That's true. But we are friends. We are friends. Going and on welcome almost a decade. friends who are yeah. listening to this. We're your friends as well. This is true. Glad to be here today. We have one of my good friends, my friend, Dave Hendrick on the podcast. And it it was an absolute blast to talk through memory lane, made fun of him so much, um, but he deserves it. And it's all in good fun. So it's a great time. Loves to talk through so many cool things. There's a story that you you have to stay for. You have to stay to the end. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. So anyways, Hope you enjoy this episode of Where They've Been. Maybe we can walk that road again. Take a little time to sit and listen. Maybe you can learn from where I've been. From where I've been. From where I've been. From where I've been. So I'm here for my long-awaited guest, my friend. Um, I had to work through his agent. I had to work through his publicist oh, and yeah. uh, cancel a bunch really, of stuff. They really gave you a hard time. They yeah. did. They did. And, my, uh, agent, my, my toddler is my agent. Like, <laughs> I'm part of the problem. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't respond to emails after 7.30, but I get it. Yeah. She, uh, she also... Yeah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> No, this is, uh, I am glad to have my friend Dave Hendrick on. And a funny story before we jump into anything, Dave was the best man in my wedding, but he was aware of this before my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding, which I was not aware of until three days before his wedding. Yeah, I can test this story. There's, I think there's a lot of retelling of history going on there. I don't think so. I also, there, there are multiple people who... I mean, either I had like a, a Walter White, but for real, like out of body, you know, what do they call it? A fugue state. A fugue <laughs> like, state. I, I went into a fugue state and I dreamt that I told because uh, another friend, Phil Johnson, if you're listening, hi, Phil. Yeah. Uh, also claims he had no idea. He was like a groomsman until like two weeks before, which is like, well, you got your suit measured. Clearly, you knew. Yeah. Phil, yeah. You know, yeah. although. Then again, he also then like didn't have his suit the day of. So that's I, yeah, but, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt call and Matt. Hi, Matt. Um, he also same thing. And I'm like, you know, clearly I told you guys, you know, I see if there's three verse one seems <laughs> like there's a bit of an issue. No, that's bad math. That's bad math. See, what it, <laughs> I'm the pillar of truth here. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I've never, I've never once been wrong. I don't know if you know this. My <laughs> agent was supposed to clarify that. On I don't know if if she, again, her grammar is not great. Yes. She's, she's a two and a half year old. Yes. But she was supposed to make sure you understood, like, I'm always correct. Got so it. She didn't, I don't know if she told you that. I guess Got we'll it. On, if we can just get that straight. We'll make an addendum. 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 Yeah, addendum. <laughs> addendum is sweet, though. I like uh, that. Yeah. I got corrected in my grammar a lot this week. Especially with stuff that I put on that the screen. That could be a good, like, a breathment for lawyers and addendment. Yeah. 
Nice. That's a good point right there. Yeah. TM that puppy. So yes, I mean, maybe I felt, I remember going into your bachelor party and being like, what jerk didn't plan this thing? You know, I was like, I, Shane or your brother is like, what an idiot. No one planned it. And we're all like texting. We're like, what should we do? Get well, actually, there. You mentioned something great right there. I'm going to interrupt you really fast, which is that I asked my brother to be my bachelor, my, um, my best man originally. And he said, no, <laughs> which is like kind of screwed up. If you think about it, like, Hey man, like you're my brother. We're blood. Like, yeah you know blood is bond and bond is word you know like so be my best man and and he was like uh i don't want to plan anything so no (laughs) you could have been like hey i'm down but i live you know not in the same state right right friends lovely plan this stuff right no he was just like no that ain't it man i'm out yeah like i'll be there so i don't get fined but i do not want (laughs) to be i do not want to be your best man dude so, uh, oh, so Brian, man. shout out. Thanks, Brian. For that. That was great. Brian. He was there, though. It's true. He was there. Great attitude. And uh, yeah, no, that seems on that seems like on brand for him, if I'm using that correctly. Yeah. Anybody that knows my brother is like, of course, he said, no. yeah. <laughs> obviously, like, right. he didn't he didn't want to have to give a speech, which like jokes on him. We made him. We told him he didn't have a choice. I remember that. Yeah. And, and weirdly, then, like his speech was like very. um how did I put it? His speech was very uh, like love power. And like, if you yeah. had taken what he said and been like, this was the speech recorded at a wedding in 1968 between two <laughs> Woodstock attendees, you know, like, <laughs> it would very much so like make yeah. the audio crackly. Sure. It totally fits, you know? Yeah. But or like on the wall of a yoga studio, one of the two. It did kind of feel like you were like, oh, please. Like it felt like it at, at any moment you were like, this is going to turn really inappropriate. Like, don't yeah. say it, don't. And then he didn't. So it was good. He didn't. He did. He yeah. kept it well. What a speech. It felt like he was going to be like, be generous to each other, you know? And he'll like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and the giving and the receiving. No, we're leaving it in. And the giving yeah. and the receiving. Yeah. It's like, a, I love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Siegel. See you. Give it back. Give it back, Zoe. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I think what we just got to the bottom of is that my we haven't even covered what this is about. Yeah. We've already made a discovery here, which is that my brother is Jason Siegel's character. Yes. And I love you, man. Yeah. Different played, but same same persona, I think. Wow, that's a deep discovery. Mm -hmm. And it fits, Brian. We'll see you in a welcome to where I've been podcast, everybody. We're uh Today, where, yeah. where they've been way to screw up the name of the podcast right on top of it <laughs> all right fix it in post welcome <laughs> to where they've been everybody no Today, dude yeah. yeah i'm excited because i think this podcast will be a little different as i've said with some other friends me and dave have been fr- friends for a long time we can go stretches of not talking for several years and then talk and pick it up so yeah. we'll see how this goes but i'm excited dude yeah, absolutely. I think you have many stories. I was reading a book in preparation of your life, and um, it was actually a Pizza Hut menu um, because. <laughs> okay, we came, we came with the zingers tonight. That one like came smoke. off the dome right yeah, there. Pretty good. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh. so we got to uh, tell the Pizza Hut story, man. Come on, let's okay. go. Yeah, so. Um... So I grew up uh, 
what I imagine a lot of uh, people, just if you know me and Jeff, or you know, however you've stumbled into this podcast by nature, if you've listened to more than one, I'm sure a lot of us you know, grew up in church and you know mm-hmm. all those experiences. And so, you know, the thing that I like found that was um, my you know thing I could do, right? You know, I wasn't um, I wasn't like a great athlete. Like I definitely loved athletics, but I was mm-hmm. always, you know the whole like. C team for sure. Like was not, was not athletically gifted. Uh, and, uh, anyway, so I I fell into music at a pretty early age and, um, kind of funny story. Like my, my parents didn't want me to be this like metalhead because I think they just like saw it already in me. Really? Dude's bad news with music. (laughs) So they made me play like violin until I was in, uh, I was in, I think it, I think it was seventh grade that finally I beat them down and they're like, all right, and so we went to this little like small town shop called Schmidt's Music, and I traded my violin in for a black guitar with translucent white flames on it, yes. which felt like kind of like the biggest like middle finger probably to oh, yeah. ever. Like it was like, oh, you thought you thought you're going to hold me down. You know, yeah. like, Cindy works hard. Dave works harder, you know? Yes, and, uh, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, guitar is what I played. And that was a really crazy, like, you know, in, in the year 1991, Dave was yeah. born. But, you know, like <laughs> origin story. But um, so I played guitar and, you know, did forever and ever. And uh, a, a buddy of mine that I played guitar with at church, his name is John Sutton. Uh, he started playing bass in this band that the best way I could explain it is like the Jonas Brothers um like meets um just absolutely formulaic like middle-aged man rock mm-hmm. you know like it was like everything like there was nothing bad about it there was just nothing good about it you know <laughs> but it was like so formula and um just like I guess the way I would describe the music is like hella palatable you know okay. it's like how I would right. describe it uh, but the whole point hello that, palatable that's phenomenal right the there. way that this guy the, the manager his whole plan was like he took his teenage daughter time to see the jonas brothers in concert and he had been in like you know um a and r and you know um sure. entertainment management and he was like dude i can i can stamp this out of a machine like this is which in fairness like if you're listening and you're like still holding the line biggest jonas brothers fan in the world like not coming for you it's just that there's there's nothing like creative about that music like it it is but you know but like i would say the same about most like top 40 pop right like it's you don't listen to it to have your mind blown you listen to it because like you can tap your finger and kind of exactly because it's catchy it's catchy right yeah Yeah. and it's very like formula and and kind of driven just by like i don't know like fit the mold um exactly it's like classic saying um, you'll notice like a lot of top 40 songs too. Like they're not long. They're like three minutes. Exactly. This classic, this classic saying, um, if it fits, it's a hit. Hmm. And it was because like radios make their money, radio stations make their money selling ad space. Right. And like if, if, if it's a shorter song, like it just gets to the point, gets through it, it's done. Like you're going to get played everywhere because then it's more ad space. They can sure. sell. Sure. And so like there's old songs that now we look at and we're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. But that like got played literally because some station manager was like, play that song because I can tell another 30 seconds of ad space in the break. On yeah, that. there you go. Yeah. You know, and it's like, don't, we all love the Beatles, but like, I want to hold your hand is very short. And that was like, right. Right. very like intentional. Anyways, so the whole point is it was- That's that. interesting. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. So it was that, like it, the whole thing was like, we're going to construct this. 
like as a business equation, not mm -hmm. as a musical equation. Mm -hmm. And so he like does his talent search, finds these three singers uh, and they hire these songwriters that are like straight, you know, like Grammy award winning songwriters, like big, big name, you know, um, for like kind of soft rock, if you will, you know? Okay. Um, and so like dude who was like the lead singer of Toto is one of the songwriters. And there's this guy, uh, Wally Gaggle is his name, nice. which like, man, <laughs> God did not smile upon him. That was his name. But like, he's like prolific. Like if you Google this guy, like he has so many number one hits that he's okay. been And so they just that go. That guy wasn't on that, like, uh, that song show that was on ABC, was he? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but the whole point is it's like, it's kind of the old guard of these like number one hit. Sure. Right? Sure. And, and again, it's like, they just, they, they purchased kind of a number one album, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. They, they mm -hmm. paid the songwriters, they get all these songs, they get these singers that uh, sing to it. And there's, you know, like studio musicians in the back of the band. And then they go try and get a record deal. And the feedback from the record label is like, Hey, like you, you got to go find um, a band. Like, you, like okay. we're not, no, we don't do that anymore. We don't just like, bring us a talented singer. We say, go get a band. We don't right. say, oh, here's a band we've cultivated for you. So very long story to say, enter John Sutton, who somehow or another gets like, I, I, I think it was like, John knew this guy who had been paid to be their sound guy a couple of times. Yes. Okay. okay. It was this guy that was a sound guy at the church I grew up at. Okay. Rob, he had gotten paid to do front of house for them at some clubs in Minneapolis. And then, you know, he finds out they need a, you know, a band. And he's like, well, I know this guy, John, who plays bass. He's a really good bassist, you know? Mm -hmm. and so John starts playing bass. I come back from literally playing like an entire summer of like Assemblies of God District summer youth camps. Okay. Like doing worship with this team I was doing worship with at the time. And, and I run into John at this like end of summer, um, this youth group that we had started that was like a continuation of fellowship of Christian athletes in the summer. Okay. Obviously I was not around that summer. Uh, and I come back and athlete, like the but... very, yeah, well, that's true. It's <laughs> time. Um, but, but I, but I, you know, I show up to this like very last one and, um, and I run into John and he's telling me about this band and he's like, they need a lead guitarist. I'm like, Oh, he's like, yeah. And here's the thing. We just won a battle of the bands and we get free Pizza Hut for a year. Yes. Dude. But we have to be in a commercial. And I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> and so I go audition for this band and literally the very first thing I ever do to bury the lead, I get, I get the part, right? I get the, right. Like, the guitarist part and um, or, or roll or whatever you want to call it. Whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> like the very first thing I do, like we haven't played a show together like the very first thing I do is record a regional pizza hut commercial with this band <laughs> that is um, like, like, I don't know, like baby boomer dad, butt rock yeah. type of like, like it's really awful. Like it's not quite wanting to be hair metal. It's not quite wanting to be like grunge. It's just this like awful awful pizza oh, dude. dingle but it, i disagree it, like, it was fire it was fire i've seen it it was like, so good we, 
we're recording it on a green screen yeah and i don't know like i'll find you a link to link to yes episode description it's like this cgi flatbed truck and like me and john there's this shot of us just like bobbing our heads like i remember that and then there's like these awful like hey now jump on this part you know and like it's so bad but the best part is like for anybody that is not friends with social media doesn't know like i am bald as a freaking egg out of a you know grocery store egg container at this yeah. point like i'm looking at myself in in the zoom video right now and like there's literally a shining sheen spot from the light in my room like i'm that kind of bald right? you're pulling it off though rocking it man well thank you but what's funny about it is i have this like ratty long blonde curly hair in the video too. yeah the like, glory I, days I look like I, I look like I tried to sell everybody weed before we recorded. <laughs> like I was like, who needs a dime bag? Now let's record this commercial. Like it, I just look like that kid. Oh yeah. From the burbs. Like yeah. you haven't taken a shower in a very long time. It, like it's measured in days for yeah. sure. <laughs> maybe weeks, maybe yeah. not but exactly. definitely not hours, you know, yes. like definitely measured in days. Oh yeah. And, uh, and dude. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm in this pizza commercial, but the funniest part is like this band though. Like it's, <laughs> I feel, I feel terrible if like one of these guys randomly listens to this episode, but look guys, listen, Pat, Brent, Dan, John, Joel, if you listen to this, Wally, if you hear this, like, listen, man, it's not personal. This is just real. This is real life. Like, it's like three, it was five college age guys. And then like a 40 year old drummer. Okay? Oh yeah. But like, but all of us are like, when you think of like, who's the guy that would definitely run out of a year's worth of pizza coupons in three months. Everybody. Stock image photos of those. <laughs> and, and like, so we, we literally like call the VP of North America for pizza Hut. And we're like, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we were told them a year of free pizza and we've run out of coupons. Yeah. So they print us like, like if you've ever gotten a, like a flat rate padded envelope, uh, like post office, you know, right. mailer yeah. thing. Um, I used every word I could think of to describe this. Uh, <laughs> full of these coupon books just printed like expires at whatever that one year date is. But it was like the amount of coupons that you were like, okay, like, look, I get that we ran out in three months, but like, yeah. we like clearly you're now trying to prove a point. In yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, you ran out. Okay. Here's like, you'll, you'll all die. Yeah. You <laughs> like you will all die if you eat as much pizza. And so it turned into this thing where like, we all just had like stacks of these coupon books in the center console of our car, like this girl I was dating at the time, I literally just like gave one to her family. Like, hey, if you ever need pizza, like don't pay for it. Like, here, here you go. Here's these like pizza coupons. Yeah, you know, like it was like, it was so ridiculous. But so yeah, so every practice we- Hold, hold on, I got to know something about the coupons. Yeah. Was it anything or was it everything or was it like a, a slice? So, okay, yeah. So that actually segues into what I was going to tell you perfectly. Okay. So the coupons yeah. were literally like, for one menu item just comped by but you could use as many coupons at a time as you wanted oh so if you showed up to these were like corporate coupons so think like um like you know if you go to the grocery store like if you if you've got like kroger or fred meyer or like pavilions like whatever you've got like in the country 
And you might get like um, a, a coupon from the, the store chain that's like, oh, just like $10 off, you know, a hundred bucks. Right. But that's like Kroger or whoever made that coupon. But then you could get like the like the printed out ones like from the manufacturer that's like, yep. oh, Colgate. It's like these were like those kind of things. Right? Like it wasn't a franchise coupon. It was like, that was the same as any dollar amount to this Pizza Hut to just like claim from corporate incredible so they didn't care they're not going to be like oh you can only use one they're gonna be like use that whole freaking exactly book. yeah we're gonna set a record for how yeah. much money we made tonight and so like we would uh, <laughs> our practice space again like think about who our manager was he's like right. this middle-aged man like he's like doing this all through like kind of investment and out of his own kind of you know pocket sure and our practice space is like um if you think of just anywhere in america <laughs> like <laughs> like like the building that like a real estate agent's office and a dentist's office and probably like a CPA yep. and be like, and it's two stories, right? Yep. And oh yeah. Gotta be probably like the third tenant would maybe be, so we've got a, we've got real estate and tax preparer, like certified personal accountant. So maybe like the fourth, I should say, maybe the fourth tenant, I don't know, would be like a like a little recruiting firm maybe or something. Yeah, or like some sort of boutique now. Yeah, for sure. But then there's like this empty fifth space and he rents that out as our practice space. So like, like a corporate office for like a company of 20, that's our practice space. And so we just have this like conference room with a full speaker setup and, and a soundboard outside of it with our monitor system and everything. And like this other little conference room set up with like a table and like where we eat our meals and stuff Dude. but but like we can't practice any earlier than seven because that's when all the other businesses close right <laughs> so like if we're there earlier like somebody's gonna get a filling and be pissed like exactly why yeah. why do i hear drums you know, like this. <laughs> and, and so it's directly across the road from a pizza hut hallelujah and, and like this was not planned we had they had this space before they won that battle of band. And so every practice we would have like, again, it's like six of us and the manager. So like seven people maximum are in this space. Okay. And we would have like 10 pizzas and like wing street wings. And oh yeah. Pasta and all this stuff. And like, I look back at that and genuinely I'm like, how did I not have a heart attack? Yeah. Or be at 600 like, pounds. Yeah. At like 18. Even. Like that's like, like pretty good eras of metabolism, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that should have put me in the ground. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, it was just crazy. We had I mean, of... it could have single-handedly slowed your metabolism down. It might be the reason I don't have hair now. Like it might be. <laughs> I was going to say the same. My, my body was like, listen, okay, you're throwing some serious smoke at us. Like we can only keep so many parts of your body working, right? Yeah. So like, we're not going to let you be 600 pounds. We're not going to like, I don't know, make your, you're not going to, you're not going to get gout. You're not going to lose a toe. Okay. No diabetes, but here's the thing, man. Like hair gotta go. We it's can't out. too it's much. Out. We're giving her, we're giving her all she's got. Scotty. Yep. We cannot yep. do. Dude, so, yeah, man. I had to start it out because that, I remember when you showed me that video and you're on the back of that flatbed and I was yeah. like, come on, well, let's go 18 too. That's incredible. So here's the thing too, like the funniest part is I met you. So, so that like kind of chronologically in my life, 
I went to my very first semester of college at North yeah. Central, our alma mater. Right. And, and then I dropped out for this band. I was in it already, like when I went to that first semester, but it okay. was, um, we were still kind of just figuring it out, seeing like, okay, are these labels really interested again? Sure. They start talking to us again and they're like, all right, like we have like literally two labels. Um, really? Interscope and Island Def Jam are both interested and like, wow. And it's like, okay, like we got to do all these, these shows and whatever. And, and our, their A&R people are like talking to our manager and everything. And so I'm like, all right, I got to see this through. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I drop out. Obviously we're in the pizza commercial somewhere in there as well. Go through this whole crazy year, like open for some, like genuinely like people you've heard of, we open for like in Minneapolis and, and all in like, like, like who, come on, like we, this is a full story. Well, so like the Prince? the craziest one is John Bon Jovi. We literally opened for John Bon Jovi. Really? Yes, dude, and, that's incredible. And um, and you know, get to hang out with him and like, true story, John, if you're listening, because obviously you are. Uh, <laughs> you can corroborate. He can comment. He can put it in the comment section. Like the guy's not lying. This really yes. happened. He's weird. Um, <laughs> so we're all like kind of doing this like you know kiss the ring thing, right? Like yeah. we're all kind of waiting in line to like hang out with the different. So like like I'm talking to Richie Sambora, you know, and mm. like, talking is cool. And then like when it's my turn, like I move on and I talk to like the drummer and whatever. Sure. But then like we're all obviously like rotating through. And so finally I get up to John by anybody has looked at a picture of him once obviously like he's supposed to be this kind of like you know 80s 90s rock sex yeah. icon yeah you know? like he's and he is he, he's an old man now and he's still just crazy handsome you know right right old days you know he's ripped and it's the shirtless you know like cut off sleeve denim shirt very like 80s rhinestone oh yeah but he's always had this like flowing long blonde hair and so i i get up to him and I'm an idiot. I'm 18 years old, right? Like right. to me, I'm like, your life is a meme. You know, right. you didn't sure. even know what memes were at the time. Exactly. But like to me, your life is a meme because yeah. your life is wanted dead or alive. Like that exactly. Is, or or like your life is summed up in me drunkenly at a bar going, Johnny used to work on the docks. <laughs> you know, like that is your life to me, you know? And like his life, his life work is a joke. Yeah. So yeah, seriously. I'm, and I'm an idiot, you know, and I'm like, hey man, like I'm Dave. It's nice to meet you. Like, yeah, I love y'all's music. Which is like I knew like three of their songs. Right, like, right, right. I knew the same three songs that were in like Guitar Hero and Rock. Exactly. Like, all yep. of us knew. You know, it's like Wanted Dead or Alive, uh, Living on a Prayer, and uh You Give Love a Bad Name. Anything yeah. else? I don't know. Yeah, could, nobody in the crowd knows either. Still to this day, I don't think I can name any other jump on you either. Song. Uh and and I get up to him and I'm like, hey, uh, like I know this is a weird question, but like, can I touch your hair? <laughs> no, you did. <laughs> and like, just for the record, I'm not drunk. I'm not high. I'm not on anything. I am. You're just 18. I'm just 18 and extremely lucid. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, can I touch your hair? And the best part, and like, to me, he'll always be a cool guy because his response, he could have been like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Go away. And like, like, or he could have even like, just looked at me and like ushered his security over and been like, like, get him away from me. Right. And it would have been a very legitimate response. For sure. Yeah. Like, I'm clearly making fun of you when I say (laughs) And his response is like, he goes, 
yeah, man, I totally get it. And like leans his head over to me. No. And I, I literally, I run my hand through his hair and I was like, cool, man. Conversation over. I just walk on to the next guy. And I walk away thinking like, yeah, man, I did it. I did it. And you're like, eating I, had an audience, I had an uninterrupted audience with a dude <laughs> who could have changed my life. Like this guy could have single-handed been like this band, whatever. Like I can give you any opportunity. Oh, oh and my instead, gosh. Instead, this clown, oh. I walk up and I'm like, let me touch. Like this is the equivalent of like in my current career, like, you set me in front of Tim Cook. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, so, like, what's your favorite wing spot in Austin, man? <laughs> cool, dude. All right, we'll see you later. Cool, dude, yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, he just leans over and goes, I get it, man. He goes, yeah, man, I totally get it. <laughs> you think and that's maybe- a story he tells people or he told? Probably. One time this kid was like, can I he's touch your hair? probably like, man. Like he's on a podcast somewhere. He's oh, on a yeah. podcast somewhere. And they're like, they're like, tell me about a time you watched someone like miss their opportunity for. Oh night. my gosh. You know? And he's like, oh man, there was this idiot that smelled bad and clearly hadn't showered. And he played guitar in this band that opened for us. And he touched my hair <laughs> and then just walked away. Like, <laughs> I like, like hey, you just walk away. What else are you going to do? I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, like, it's kind of like a fish story, right? Like, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I know everything I've told you so far is true. Like that literally is what happened. But like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm forgetting now. Maybe I was sure. like, okay, sure. thanks. You know, yeah. but like that, like that was the end of the conversation. Like, oh, for if sure. there was any kind of cordial, like, all right, well, hey, thanks for this opportunity. Like maybe, maybe right, right. I, I don't remember. Right. I just remember that I like, I was like, I got what I came for. So I, <laughs> do I, like, I just leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. Yeah like, yeah. I, like, we're good here, man. We're, even, you know, like, and man, it's so dumb. Cause like, you look back on that and like, I don't know, you know, life is just is life. Right. Right. Like, exactly. We, we all make ridiculous choices in so many, like if we could all go, I guess my point is like, if we could all rewrite the choices we made chronologically through our lives, sure, like, obviously sure. we'd all be like trillionaires. Right. Exactly. Like, hindsight it's 2020. Like, and at the time, you know, I, I probably didn't realize or have the maturity even to like, think about the fact that like, this is the dude that like, and even if, you know, in, in fairness, even if I had like handled it perfectly, sure. like, I will, I will network the, the crap out of this moment. Like, right. Could have been the same end result. Exactly. Right? So that's yeah. the fair. But like, right. but like this guy, just to be fair, like has the keys to the kingdom. Oh like, yeah. This dude, it has so many number one hits. He probably knows everybody yeah. at Island Def Jam. You know what I mean? Like, like anything he says, they're gonna go with. To be clear, like like record labels and even producers more than anything. It's really more like producers have their guys, but like like people have studio musicians still. Mm-hmm. So like even if it was like, oh well, hey man, like I heard you doing sound check. You were great. Like if you want some studio work, I got you. Like right. Like this guy can do that right. if he wants to. And instead, I'm like, nah, man, those beautiful locks. <laughs> and and then like, peace out. We're good. Like, uh, all right. Uh, 
you know, like big gulp. Uh, oh, well, see you later. You know, like just oh my goodness. And uh, and anyway, so <laughs> so that is a big derail to say that I uh, I go through this whole thing with this band, and, and it it like you know to go ahead and like just shoehorn like my biblical interpretation of it into this. Like for me, I am like Jonah on the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Like I knew the entire time. This is not where God wants me. This is right. not what I'm supposed to be doing. But like, hey, acclaim is cool and opportunity is cool. And there's kind of that, like, um, I think a lot of people, um, and, and we, <laughs> this would be another hour long derail, but like just, you know, you, you have different people at times in your life that will either kind of like affirm mm-hmm. or detract from things you think are kind of there for you. And there, there had just been experiences for me with different people where it was like, they were the ones that were going to be famous and going to make mm. it. And they made it like really clear that they were the ones and it wasn't going to be me. Right. You know? So for me, there's this thing of like, oh yeah, well, screw you. Like, look yeah, at me. Exactly. Hey, come on. Right. So like, it's hard to say no. Right. And so of course the whole thing just catastrophically falls apart. Um, like right kind of right at the one yard line, like, 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 like biblical proportions, like yeah. the, the, uh, the CEO of Interscope records, is removed by the board because of the label performance and like with that they flush every artist development thing that's in the work so like we're just we're we are nobodies to them now because that entire house is just flush sure yeah new people bring in new blood they're like who are you you know and um same thing with you know different story but kind of same net result of the opportunity with other label and all this stuff and so, you know, you kind of, you have that moment where you go like, okay, like, is this, um, is this done? You yeah. know, like, is this over? And, and I made the choice that yes, it was. And so I let everybody know. And, you know, I kind of like, because of the connections we had, because of everything, I kind of tried to like, go see if there's any other, you know, bands that maybe had a deal, even if they were, you know, smaller time. Sure. You know. Just to continue like the chased, process, right? Yeah, chased after that the couple bands and like you know other cool like kind of indie bands that I knew and liked their music and happened to be based out of the Twin Cities and none of it none of it comes together. It's just kind of like the ultimate like no 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 like you heard me right the first time, Dave. Like right. this is not supposed to be right. You know? and so uh, all of that happens and I finally I'm like all right so like like I go to the fall semester of school. I'm not there for spring and fall. And then that following spring, kind of like a perfect year, just removed as a chunk. I go back mm-hmm. to school and, and that's when I meet you. Yeah. And the best part is like this Pizza Hut commercial is still rolling on TV. Like, <laughs> like if you, if you grew up anywhere that there was regional Pizza Hut commercials, like probably they're still airing the same one from oh, when yeah. you were like, if you're 30, it's the same one from when you were 12. Mm-hmm. Like they're all wearing like metal bead necklaces and have like, you know, gel like matted down. You know, they look like puddle of mud is playing. You know, and it's some terrible, like awful. So, like this commercial for sure aired for like at least five or six years in the in the Twin Cities. And so, like, I'm sitting in the um, oh gosh, what's the name of the building? The one that we lived in, um, uh, Carlson. Carlson, thank you. Like down in like the the little like bistro deli area. There's these TVs, and like how many times I was sitting down there like working on homework or eating a freaking, you know, chicken sandwich chicken sandwich. Come on. And, 
And yeah, man, with our special little blend of mayo and pepper. Yeah, buddy. Almost a McChicken. For those of you that don't know, Jeff worked at McDonald's. And yep. so he knew the secret. And I did. so we, we tried to make it as close as we could. But like how many times this stupid pizza commercial would play? <laughs> and out of the blue, somebody would just be like, ah, ah, Dave, is this a commercial you're in? You know, and it's like, yeah, thanks. Why not an impression, by the way, of somebody at North Central? <laughs> yeah, you just like... Like, yeah, hey, for the 30th time this semester, yes, yeah. this is the commercial I'm in. So, just to answer it, no, the band is not still together. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it was cool. Yes, we got free pizza. Like, yes, like, I touched Bon Jovi's hair. You know, well, that didn't usually come up. But, <laughs> but anyways, it was, man, it's just crazy. Like, that stupid commercial is like the one legacy of this whole thing. Like, nobody. Yes. Nobody, if you if you brought this band up to anybody in the Twin Cities, probably nobody knows who it is unless it's like our family members. Sure, you know sure. I mean? But but if you're like, hey, have you seen this Pizza Hut commercial before? Somebody's like, oh yeah, it's the Wing Street one in the truck. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I wonder if I can screen record it from like YouTube and put it on the Instagram of where they've been. Oh, you or will sure. I get knocked for that? No, I'm pretty sure you can do that. All right. I'm doing that. That's got, we got to do it. We got to bring it back. Come on. I can, I can find you a link. The it's, loving it's, lot. It's for sure. Still out there. The funny thing about that. Um, so there's this guy that I used to work with here in Dallas. Okay. Like I, I live in Dallas now. Yeah. And uh, his name's Quentin. And Quentin is like the guy that you give him one piece of information. And yeah. like the next day he can find anything on the internet. Like he literally has like that, like, I don't remember the term they use. It's like critical data or whatever. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, you know, if you give him like somebody's name and then like that they live in, you know, Dallas, Texas, like he can find everything about them with this search that he has and like all this stuff. And, and he, like, it took him forever. But one day I remember like I, we were talking and I, and I just casually mentioned it almost came out because I really don't bring it up. And yeah, I know. Somehow, nichely, re, like appropriate response. That I was like, well, one time I was in a Pizza Hut commercial and instantly was like, nope. Big problem. You've said this to the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> and like six weeks later, Microsoft Teams, ring, YouTube link. And he's, oh. like, he's like, oh, yeah. I found <laughs> I, it. He's like, this is you, isn't it? <laughs> and like, it took him like a month and a half, but he found it. So that commercial, I know for a fact that it's still up there. Dude, that's fire. That's fire. I had to bring it up because I was like, I remember you didn't even say anything about it. And then I, I it was someone brought it up like while we were around and was like, did you know this guy was on a pizza commercial? And I remember being like, what are you talking about? You're like, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I think you've got your Dave's mistaken. No, yeah. no. That's interesting, though, because I think does music, would you say music plays a big part? Because obviously I'll just fill in some gaps for some people. You're an incredibly musician. You play literally every instrument. Like I, I remember there, I heard you play drums one time. I was like, what the heck? Why is someone so good at guitar and drums? So not to toot your own home, horn, but you're incredible. Not to mention you have an incredible voice lead lead songs lead worship you could do whatever anything musically do you feel like that's something that eventually you want to come back to or feel like that's part tied to well, what like god's called you to not even maybe in an independent way yeah so let me let me like i'll bury the lead like i'm sure this will spur a lot of conversation but like i think like 
interesting thing, right? So obviously I talked about the fact that like we went to North Central together. Right. My, my degree is a pastoral study, you know, it's exactly. like, like nonprofit tax law and theology. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> explaining that to people in interviews is really fun. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. So you want to, I work in cybersecurity now, just right. in case anyone else doesn't know. So super, I use my degree every day, you know? I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I tax. once, I once interviewed for a sales position and they're like, so you don't know how to sell anything. And I was like, <laughs> Well, you were like, have you ever tried doing evangelism? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> like, this interview is over. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're like, listen, man, have you ever had somebody in a starchy white shirt and a white bike come, come to your door and get your attention? Exactly. Just give that guy a job. You know, yeah. like that's anyway. me. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. No, no, you're good. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, I've got this you know, degree in that and, and I did, I worked for churches for, uh, for like five four, four years, four and a half, five years, something like that. Um, and did a couple things, you know, was a junior high pastor at a church in California. And then, um, was like a campus creative pastor here in Dallas for, for a little bit. Um, but to say like, you know, I, I got out of like, um, and I'll just give this preface to, I don't think anyone's going to take this the wrong way, but like, I, I'm sharing this for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, like for, for sure. me, this is where I've landed. Um, just to be very clear, right? Like if anyone's listening to this from, you know, like the AG head office in, you know, in, in Springfield, like Jeff's good. Okay. <laughs> We're not saying that nobody can be a paid pastor. Like that's not the argument. Like I'm grateful that there are people that are paid pastors and for sure do that as their life and feel called to that. Like I, it's very important and I'm grateful for those people. But like the thing that's been interesting for me is like, for me, I kind of hit this point where I was like my paycheck and my faith just need to not be the same. And obviously like it wasn't that singular, you know, there were experiences that led me there and absolutely, you know, disappointments and, you know, ways I watch churches function. And, you know, I mean, all those things clearly, right. You know, nobody goes like, I feel called to ministry. And then it's like, just kidding. I want to go like be a recruiter, you know, like nobody, exactly. nobody just wakes up and does that. Right. But, um, but, you know, but I got out of, of ministry in terms of like vocationally. Right. Sure. And, um, you know, have really, honestly, interestingly, he really felt God like bless and put his hand on that transition in a way mm. that it honestly never really felt like was there when I was in ministry. And that, mm. you know, again, it's kind of like, you know, it's like fish stories, right? You know, time exaggerates all things it feels like, right? You know, and so, you know, maybe that's a, an overstatement, but, you know, th there was this like struggle in this, um, you know, kind of like almost, you know, um, pain, but it's worth it to like staying in ministry. Right. That, um, that, you know, maybe you're listening to this and that's your story and you're like, but I know I'm called to it. Well then like, Hey, like run the race with perseverance. Right. right. Like, obviously we, like I, we can find any angle and anything we need to. Right. You know, so exactly. This is, you know, that's why I say like, this is for me. And so like, I hope no one listens to this and is like discouraged, right. you know, or listens to this and is like, Oh, okay. Well this Dave guy on Jeff's podcast, uh, says like screw pastors so I'm out you know like, <laughs> but but like you know I and, you know I felt God really put his hand on what I've done now but the point is to say like kind of if I had to give it a tagline it's like I've I've almost felt like I could do better pastoring since I stopped being paid to do it mm. than I ever could when I was paid to do it and like you know just for the sake of the fact that if we get into any of these stories like I don't want it to be like, oh, I went on some podcast and like went for people. So like, no, we'll just leave, we'll leave, you know, we'll leave like church, church. 100%. But, but like, I worked for two really big churches and like, like, I don't say that being like really big, like, yeah, we had 500 people. I mean, like, like two of the largest churches in America and yep. 
Um, and so like, you know, um, it's not like I just had all this time, you know, to like be out in our community. I mean, like I was like, I, I remember like the church that I was a junior high pastor at, like it was very regular that I would work like, you know, 60 hour weeks, yep. like none. And like, that's probably true of, of a lot of anybody listening who has worked in pastoral, you know, ministry, like you're, I know you're like, yeah, cry for me. Like I, you, you know, that life. Right. But like, but I will say like, that was before any time I had to be like sitting at a coffee shop, inviting somebody to church. Yep. You know what I mean? That was like at my desk, writing curriculum, working on, um, you know, discipleship tools, working on writing messages for the weekend, like working on planning all these events. And you know, we, had, we were really fortunate to have like this church that really believed in youth ministry and like families that were really bought in. Cause like, mm -hmm. Man, anyone that's listening that's ever been a junior high pastor definitely knows that, like, you know, kids when they're in fifth grade and they're sweet little elementary schoolers still, you know, parents have a hard time letting go of their vision of like little sweet, you know, Benny boy yep. who is, you know, this innocent, pure little kid and realizing that, like, hey, he needs a junior high pastor. Not much long after that, that's like very real about exactly like life in junior high and the temptations he's going to face and all those things. And, you know, parents don't like have the easiest time with that a lot of places. And so, especially junior high can be really rough because you can kind of feel caught in the crosshairs of like, I need to do right for these kids. But I also like have these moms that like want to like kill me because I mentioned <laughs> pornography, you know, right. in a small group, you know right. what I mean? They're like, he doesn't even know what that is. And it's like, trust me. He, he does. It's like, yeah. remember that thing when you gave him like all of the knowledge of the entire world in the palm of his hand for, yeah. you know, $30 a month and unlimited data, like, trust me, he knows, you exactly. know, exactly. Like, cause if he didn't go find it, it found him, you know, exactly. Like, yep. But, but again, like, you know, there's a lot of parents have a hard time with that. And, and so that's like, obviously one example, but, yep. but the whole point is, you know, you, you have these like, you know, so, so you're spending like 10 hours, literally just meeting with parents, hearing them out, talking about your vision for youth ministry and hoping to God they understand and see that like, listen, I'm not trying to like corrupt your kid by telling them that sin exists. Like right. I'm trying to acknowledge something they probably already are aware of and yeah. help them understand like they actually can do it, you know, yeah, navigate through it. Like yeah. they can navigate through this. Like it, it's not like, like pretend that I'm perfect or just embrace being awful. Right. You know, like it's exactly, you know, and, and so, although it get, does feel like that for most kids, honest. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. So welcome to segment two, where we talk about all the things Dave thinks should change in youth ministry, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> but no, you know, I mean, truthfully, you know, you, you get to the end of a week like that and you're like, okay, yeah. Now let me go like sit at corner bakery and try and like invite some people to church. You're like, I'm pretty okay. sure I'm going to sleep until two minutes before I have to be in that shower to like get ready to go teach for Saturday night youth, you know? Right. So, um, you know, I just kind of felt, I think, um, in hindsight, I, it, it wasn't like a rub I felt in real time, but I think in hindsight, I kind of felt like I was almost like locked into the four walls of the church, you know, mm. in a way that, you know, for me just didn't feel like what I wanted to be doing. And so, um, what's been really cool for me is getting on the other side of that and being, you know, working a normal job. Right. And so, you know, I mentioned I was a recruiter for a while and it was because I just didn't, honestly, I grew up, my mom was a pastor and my dad was in sales. And so to me, those were like the two jobs that existed in the world. Exactly. Like, yeah. Sales guy, or you can be a pastor. You work for Jesus or you work for 3M. Cool. <laughs> you know, and like, you know, it's like, I had no idea. 
idea. And of course I go get like this theology degree. So it's not like they were being like, Oh, but here's all these other jobs you could do. You know, exactly. Yeah. I had no idea. And so um, I went and was a recruiter literally to like figure out what I wanted to do because I was like, well, I'll go interview people Mm. for these jobs and Mm -hmm. be like, Oh, that sounds like something I've done or it doesn't. You know, like literally put it, I mean, I didn't know that, that, I didn't know that you could be a project manager. Like, I didn't know that that was a job you could have. I thought that's just what everybody had to do to get their things done. You know right. what I mean? Right. And I realized you could get paid for just being good at that. And I was like, oh boy. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, off and running now. Let's go get this bag, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So to, you know, kind of bury the lead of the joke, like that's what I ended up pursuing and did it for, you know, development teams and then. Um, I've done it in cybersecurity for just like go to market and some like kind of high dollar customer onboarding now. But um, you mentioned the whole thing that spurred this conversation. You mentioned music, right? Like, yeah. Does that come around? And I think what's been cool to me is like um, we we have now for since October of 2016, so however long that is, like almost almost six years. Six years, yeah. Been at um, at our church that we go to here in Dallas at Shoreline City Church. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows Earl and Anika McClellan, I mean, they're incredible. Like mm-hmm. in, I've seen them in, um, you know, in very public and in very private situations, be the same people, you know, like, That's and awesome. everybody says it's right about people, right. You know, it's like, if it's not true, you're told you better say it. Right. 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 <laughs> like everybody says it, but I mean, truly it's like, they are the same people in any situation. And I'm just like, I, I, I trust them in a way. I don't think I have ever trusted. Yeah pastoral leadership in my entire life you know um because again I, mean, I mentioned i grew up with my mom being a pastor i mean like it's not like i didn't see the the messy so, i mean we're people right exactly churches yeah. are made up of people right so we'd be blind to think that they're not going to get messy at times right but i've seen them navigate the messy um in ways that are probably more honoring and life-giving and um full of integrity than the ways that maybe they even manage just the clean and the neat. Right. Yeah. Me is so telling, right. Like, well, who are you? Exactly. And who are you when like somebody is literally on your staff, that's like now spreading rumors about you and how do you handle that situation? Right. Yeah. And, you know, watching that stuff. um, So I I love our church, but um, the, the point is to say like, it's been my joy and my honor to just be like, I remember being a worship pastor and, uh, at a big church and at a big campus for that church and with a lot of big expectations, right. Of Like what that experience is going to look like and the quality of musicianship and, and of, you know, just vocalists that are going to sing and stuff. And, you know, not at the end of the day, you know, probably not out of some awful manipulative, you know, no. bad intent, but just like, you know, if you're going to have 1500 people showing up in a room or 2000 people showing up in a room, you know, you want to feel like, you know, they're going to walk in and be like, Oh, wow, this is great. And not be like, what? For sure. Yeah. Like, who, that, who gave that guy a mic, you know? <laughs> uh, and, um, and I remember I would just pray for like a volunteer that would walk through the door. Like, God, would you just send me somebody that like, where then like, I feel like I could take a weekend off and yeah. not, not be so stressed the whole time. Right. You know? And, you know, just to be honest, that person never came, you know, I mean, and, um, you know, facets of that person came, you know, people came that could lighten a load, you know, on a certain angle, but there was never anybody that came through that I was like, I can just tell them, I need you to just be me this weekend. I need to like, just sit in service or I need to like sleep in until 2 PM, you know, like I need, I need, I need it off. Uh, And so 
for me, it's been so cool to be that volunteer now Yeah. for the people at the church I go to where it's like, listen, like if life happens or if it's your anniversary or if it's, you know, just that you want to go lead at one of our other campuses, you know, like we're good. Like you mm-hmm. tell me what you need me to like, what role you need me to fill or how you need me to do it. And like, we're fine. And obviously now I've been there six years. Nobody has to like clarify. It's just like, Hey, yeah. you know, it's like, cool. Right. Right. And so you know, it's been, it's been different, right? you know, obviously like I'm not there, you know, Tuesday morning for like creative meeting, planning set lists or anything. Right. But, um, but it's been really cool to be like, um, still feel like I can pastor people and I can lead in those moments. Right. And, um, and be that, but I, but I can also be at my desk on a Tuesday afternoon mm you know, when somebody just kind of off the cuff starts talking about what they're going through, right. Yeah. You know, and talking about life and, you know, and I'm not, and again, please don't anybody hear this as me being like, so you're doing it wrong. If you're Tuesday afternoon sitting in your church office, like, no, not that, but you know, like, but in a way that I wasn't, when I was sitting, you know, hold up building, you know, backing tracks, right. For us yeah. on a Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, I'm there now, like, and, and there are people that I have worked with at both both jobs, you know, I've had most recently that I, I mean, still to this day, come and attend Shoreline, and they showed up because they started talking about something, and we got to talking about it, and we talked about it for weeks, probably, you know. But finally, you know, they just said, "Hey, you know, like clearly something right about what you're doing." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. can I, you know, and, and honestly, I think it just like comes back to the whole like, how are they going to know you? Well, hopefully, they're going to know you by your love, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like your willingness to like, you know, I think like. I'm going to be like token millennial and like really like read into what I think that means for me. Right. You know, (laughs) like, you know, I think there's a version of that though, that would be fair to be like the way that you're willing to engage in those kind of conversations, uh, you know, is probably different than the way somebody who either has got no idea what to tell you. Right. Or somebody who doesn't have the perspective that hopefully any of us who believe what we believe have. Right that like it will get better and if it's bad it's not final you know like yeah you know um you know kind of all those things we've probably had prayed over us as a prayer of blessing or over the year you know um and you know like that is tangible love i think you know that you're like willing to step into that like kind of muddy mucky thing with somebody and say like well let's talk about it yeah for you right um and you know, like that is different. Right. And, uh, and those people, you know, I mean, it's not like every single person, right. But like a lot of those people have come and like, I, I mean, there's a, a list that is, you know, not to like be like, oh, I'm so great. Look at me, little Mr. Evangelist in the world. But I mean, there's a list that is like not short of people that still come to the church that are there because of those kind of conversations. You yeah. Know? And, um, and so for me, I think it's like, it's not even just music. It's just like, pastoral ministry in general Mm. for me I mean I didn't like stop doing that yeah working you know in an in a you know corporate office it just looked different yeah and I can agree with you on so much of what you said because you know I went through a thing where we stepped out of ministry to um to go and to move into a season of church planting and then everything happened with COVID so then I'm out completely and I'm in a regular job. And one of the barriers in ministry is you have to go out and find people that aren't church people in order. And you have to 
toe the line because you're not going to lie to them and say, I'm not a pastor, but you right. got to be real enough to them that they're able to open up. Now, when I'm working in my job and I'm in you know the business world, I don't have to, I, this is what I do. So no one holds back like they do yeah. in the church because they're afraid of your judgment. Now, because yeah. at work, they don't, they don't give a crap if I judge them or not because they're yeah. sharing what happened. Right. I think what you shared about ministry is really interesting. I want to like dissect that a little bit because I think we always think of pastoring as a title, you know, we always think of it as in this specific context and you have to break out of it. And for me, like you, I think you did a masterful job of being gracious towards church people, but let me be less gracious. Pastors are either the laziest people I've ever met in my life, or they're the most overworked people I've ever met in my life. There's very little in between. You're either, you need to get your butt out of your office and talk to somebody, or you need to see your family on the weekends and the week. So like, it's very in between because you either have people who are in it to, and they kill themselves, or you have people who have settled. And I don't mean to be rude, but I, you know, it is, that's just the truth. They're comfortable so, one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what we, the challenge and the barrier to that is how can I connect with people that are not on a Sunday morning or in whatever else? Yeah. But I think the barrier is bigger than that. I think it's a barrier of my title changes based on where I'm at. Like if I'm in the coffee shop, I'm an evangelist. If I'm in the church, then I'm a pastor. If I'm in the board meeting, then I'm an executive rather than just being you. And I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm explaining. No, it totally does. It's kind of this like idea of like, well, I have to, it's almost like I have to put on the mask or be the chameleon for the situation I'm in. Right. When you think about like, um, (laughs) you know, Thank you for thinking that I was gracious, but you know, it like, was, uh, it was, but, yeah. you know, to pull, to pull the like, you know, gloves off a little bit. Right. I mean, you think about like how any of us have been coached if we've ever been at like a real, like, um, uh, you know, bigger church probably for this, but you know, where like the, like the, like life in the lobby is real important. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and the kind of like coaching, somebody will just sort of like tell you whether you're a staff member or volunteer of like, how you need to engage with people like you're almost like you're almost like coached to be fake you know yeah. like you're almost coached to be like like find any way to connect with this person even right. if you're flat out lying like they're like oh yeah like we were just in aspen you're like i love aspen it's like i the only reason i know anything about aspen is because of dumb and dark like i've never <laughs> been to aspen apparently it's a place where the beer and wine flows like liquor yes you know? get 40 <laughs> like miles to the gallon yeah. on this hog yeah, yeah, you know, like, that's the only reason I probably even know the town name. Aspen, exactly. Because, like, I did not grow up going to Aspen, you nope. know, like, and, uh, you know, but, like, you're almost coached in that way, right, you know, and um, it's interesting because I think it encourages this path that people can go down, because probably a lot of that, if you are a person who pursues ministry, like, you probably didn't like out of the blue at 18 in your you know car just like stumble upon i mean there's probably one person right mm-hmm. out there that did mm-hmm. this but probably other than this one person you know nobody like at 18 just like fell asleep in their car and woke up and magically the radio was on like christian radio <laughs> and it's like i don't know like some you know old school christian radio pastor that has somehow you know not a person that you can't talk about anymore you know like 
like they're like focus on the family what's what's right you know it's like him being like james dobson james dobson yeah if you want to give your heart to christ and they're like i do you know like (laughs) one guy did that everybody else like decided to go to church yes you know like uh not church uh go to like christian university to pursue a theology degree probably like had some lead up to that right and you can kind of almost like get this well that's how i connect with people and i'm being coached by this like pastor of mine to connect that way so then you kind of go like well that's how you pastor people then right is to just Mm. and and then maybe somewhere along the way you read paul writing who's like oh i've become all things to all men that i'm right and you read that through like a really unhealthy lens you're like oh okay cool so i have to be like fake to like be whatever i need to be to anybody to like get them and then like and then the lens shifts right because now you've got responsibility now you care about how many people show up on a Sunday. So it stops right. even reach them, right? Because right. like, let's be clear, reaching them doesn't necessarily mean that they come to your church. Exactly. I mean, like kind of going back to the example I gave, I mean, like the reason that I engage in that conversation when Tuesday at 2 p.m. after, you know, a team meeting, somebody like, you know, has a tear come out of their eye and all of a sudden they're telling you about, you know, their struggle with infertility, or they're telling you about, you know, that like their dad died, or they're telling you their, their brother who's in jail, you know, who's in jail because he like shot their sister, you know, like crazy stories that it seems like people you would not guess these stories, you know, I mean, like the reason you engage in that conversation can't be because you want their, their, them sitting in a seat at your church. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's got to just be I want to tell you that there is hope. Yeah. You know, and I want to tell you that there is something other than what you feel right about this. And, and like, there's somebody who has a final say in this that yeah. you're considering. And after that, like, if you come to my church, that doesn't matter. Right. right. You know right. what I mean? And, and yeah. but, but that lens shifts. Right. And, and all of a sudden this kind of hypothetical person we're describing the journey of, you know, they, they care though, you know, because, you know, they know that the senior pastor shared the givings down and they shared blah, 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 and all these things. And now it's I'm going to engage this conversation if it happens even, uh, because you need to come to my church. Exactly. Because then I can put you on my little report of who I invited to church or, you know, whatever. And I don't know, you know, it just, it's, it, and it, it's a, it's a tough topic that we're talking about because it's real, but it's also like, I believe wholeheartedly that almost everybody has good intentions. Well, and but- that you hit the nail on the head. Like, like if I am a senior pastor and I want people to fill out like a connection thing and my heart is genuine that it's like, I want to make sure that my people are not being the people you talked about that are just sitting in their office all day, twiddling their thumbs. Exactly. You know, like I, like I'm, I've hired this pastoral staff to be pastoral, you know, and go be evangelist to your world, you know, right. like, yeah, that feels pretty pure. Right. But, it, but if it's like, Oh, I want to make sure that my seats are full. Right. Like, you right. know, I don't know. It, it, it is, it's tough and it, it's messy to talk about. And surely there's going to be somebody listening to this. that's like, man, forget these guys. They're idiots. You know, and like, <laughs> clearly we're not the ones that are going to solve it. Like, right. Never, right. But, but it does, it gets, it gets dicey. And I guess what it does if nothing else is it's, it's a situation where it 
it's like it feels like it's the perfect example of like the inch off theory like mm. somebody gets their perspective skewed just that tiny bit right and and the motive of why it even makes sense in the moment it doesn't feel wrong it doesn't and it might not even be wrong it might not even be you know incorrect from who's saying it to you but it just shifts your perspective that one little bit in a mm. way that that like kind of a you know gives you the thought that leads to an action that leads to a habit that all of a sudden you're 20 miles down the road, right? Maybe it's 20 years, right? And we're across the Grand Canyon from each other, right? right. Because I let that one, you know, I mean, I shifted my perspective that tiny little bit and I'm 20 years into ministry and, and I'm like the most incredible church inviter, but it's like people that I'm not even engaging in this conversation with them, like, they don't even know who I am. I'm just like, spraying and praying these little church cards you know right like everyone and you know i'm like getting out of my car at starbucks and i'm like here come to my church and they're like right i thought you were gonna jack my car like <laughs> you terrified me you know yeah and, yeah and like you know it's and it's you think you're doing it for the right reasons but but like you know it's kind of the whole you can't see the forest through the trees exactly realize, tap the brakes maybe i'm not Maybe like, maybe I have not considered that this, like, this is not the way to do this. Right. And I think it's, there's a focus that, and, and there's a lot of like, Hey, everyone is like, everything about the church is bad. And I don't necessarily believe that. And I don't think no, you do either. If I did, I wouldn't be a part of it. Right. Yeah. I just leave, you know, but I think yeah. the reality is, is we have, um, we've created a monster and this is like a, a little bit of my spiel of, We've created a monster of a rat race where I need more people so that I can grow, so that I can grow, so that I can get more people, so that I can get more tithe, so I can get more staff, so that we can get more buildings, so we can get more land. And it's right. a rat race. And and you get in it and you're like, whoa, how did I get here? Like you said, yeah. and you're down the road and you're like, what am I doing? And you yeah. your intentions probably haven't changed throughout, but maybe your methods have. And for me, one of the things that's different is now I have a full-time job and then I'm doing church part-time. Yeah. And so I'm able to have, in a sense, have my cake and eat it too, where I'm able to yeah. do this on the weekends. But then during the week, I'm able to talk to people where truck drivers are cussing me out in the parking lot because I'm not moving fast enough. And yeah. it's, it's okay. You know, like, it's like, they're, they're, I'm not like, you know what, we really need to pray together. They're like, get out of the way or I will punch you in the face, you know, yeah. like. You're like, and oh, so, brother, let's pray. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, yes, this is good. You know, yeah. like it, it's a good thing to be a part of. So yeah. I think we, and it, and it's hard because I get it. That's yeah. the hardest part. I totally. get it. We, I've been there. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. 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 And I get it. And the, the thing that I always, that I try to put myself in the shoes of speaking to someone, like maybe there's someone who's listening to this, who is a senior leader. We, I've learned this. I didn't know what the pressures of leading a campus were until I led one. I didn't yeah. know the pressures of that. And then, so like when I was under that, when I wasn't leading one, then mm -hmm. I was like, well, this person's just an idiot. They're doing everything wrong. They're just doing yeah. this, they're doing that. And then I do it and I'm like, oh crap, I'm doing the same thing. And then yeah. I realized that. So you don't know what you don't know until you're in that position. I've yeah. never had 40 people uh, and their parents or their kids and their insurance and their retirement and their salaries right. rely on my sermon. I've never had that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't judge someone who has, 
but what can I do? What can I change? And from the whole thing, I think what we can say is I want to be as authentic as I can be to everybody for the reason of, I want to increase the gospel. I want to increase people. I want to, people to know Jesus. And right. I just think the method we have has gotten a little bit away from us. And I think rather than overcorrecting and yeah. canceling the church, let's figure out how we can be more authentic and be the church. Yeah. Way. Man, there's so many things you said there that are just so true. And, you know, it's like you mentioned the whole, like, I've never had those pressures. It's, it's funny. It's kind of like everybody has a lot of opinions on parenting until they become a parent. Oh, dude. Yeah. You Everything know? I said was stupid. Yeah, man. I like just, it would be just a nonstop bangers of just the dumbest things you've ever heard somebody say. Oh, for sure. If you got all my, you know, and like, like, especially like, gosh, like you go through, like, if you're, if you're like get married and you do it like the very, like got married because you like did it like the church way right like you go through like premarital counseling with like mm -hmm. your pastor right and you're like talking about kids stuff and then never you like get out of that session and you're like sitting in the car with your fiance and you're like yeah like when we have kids blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's just like probably the dumbest crap you could have ever but like at the time you just think you know everything oh yeah like dude like I think about <laughs> me and my wife got married um like so we just celebrated eight years in January. Mm -hmm. And like, so we were like, I was just out of, just out of school. She wasn't even done with school yet. Like we were idiots. We were basically children. You know what I mean? Same. But yep. like thought we knew everything, oh, you yeah. know, and, like probably had somebody, but like, but then you become a parent. Right. And like I mentioned earlier, like I've got a, I've got a toddler who's a daughter, my daughter, and then I have a three month old son. And you, you look at like life and as a parent now, and like, I'm not saying I just give my toddler everything they ask for or something, but like everybody has an opinion about screen time until their kid wakes up at 6.30 a.m. for like the fifth day in a row. And you're like, I'm pretty sure we're watching Daniel Tiger this morning because, <laughs> because I'm going to let Daniel Tiger babysit you for the next 45 minutes where I hope to fall back asleep on the couch next to you for a little bit. Oh yeah. Like, Cause if you then, have to go potty, you stop and you go right away. Yeah. And you got to try new foods. Yes. Come on. Daniel's fire, man. Dude. Daniel Tiger has some bangers, by the way, speaking of bangers, uh, but Straight no, up, dude. I, uh, you know, like that's the dumbest example, but it's like, again, you know, like, in fairness, right, I have a lot of opinions, you know, in hindsight about some of the ways that leadership I was under handled situations, but like, man, have I ever been responsible exactly. for exactly of, you know, 14,000 people where, where the decisions I make will affect materially, you know, a staff of 250 or something. Exactly. Yeah. And 15,000 people. And those people are probably like the, the parents, you know, kids is probably more than that you know and like obviously no obviously I have not been that person you know and so it, it's like I think I think to your point of like not canceling the church I think it's that like there's this like idea right of like how you can like view things um and perceive them and read or read into them of like I can either be um what's the like I can either have like orthodoxy or I can have generosity mm. and like much of one thing and with, and the lack of the other will never work because yeah. I can, like to say it a different way. Like I can have the letter of the law 
you know, and I can have like the exact words of the Bible, right? Um, and, and I can like be like just, you know, le- like legal about it, right? Yep. Um, and probably everyone will hate me, <laughs> you know? Or I can have, you know, and, and I think, you know, like to really oversimplify it, right? It's kind of like, you know, it, like we, we learn this when we understand like Jesus and we understand, mm-hmm. you know, how the Old Testament and the New Testament interact and like the fact that he didn't come to abolish, but he, but he did come to fulfill it, right? Exactly. And what does that actually mean? Yeah. You know, like, like one without the other is bad. Like, exactly. Like, obviously you see, you know, Jesus be so, so generous to the people he interacts with. But what does he say, right? You know, to the woman at the well, he doesn't say go and continue sleeping with everybody. Exactly. Go and no more. And like, you know, like it's like one without the other doesn't work, you know, because we're we're all legal and we're just like, well, you have sinned and you're a terrible person. Right. And I know because of Facebook that this is your third husband and blah, 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 blah. Like, well, obviously that person's going to be like, Hey man, um, respectfully go die, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. But also like in the flip side, if there's just no meat to anything, no, exactly. Anything we say, if it's like, it's all good, just come like, let's talk about, uh, we're going to, we're going to call him deity. Exactly. Yeah. Like, obviously there's just no teeth to that either. And it's kind of like this idea of, you know, to like get really like um, applied to maybe like a big conversation in the church right now. Like you see these people that are um, a hot take, like, hey, deconstructionist, I understand why you're doing what you're doing. I understand exactly. why like there are facets of, of church culture that you grew up with. Like, hey, like I have a daughter like there is a facet of like shaming purity culture that like you better stay away from my daughter with or right. you catch these fists, you know, like or these guns because you're in Texas. That's true. Hey man, <laughs> second amendment, baby. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Everyday carry. Yeah, no, but you know, it's like the whole like, you know, obviously I don't think I, I think most of us can hear that and be like, okay, if I put down my, you know put down my guns for a second right like I can acknowledge that there is like like probably if if the way that we are communicating God's word to people is instilling shame then we have like missed the mark you know for sure uh and and then you know invertedly right like people you know you've got like this kind of like the old guard and like I mean like it's just easy to pick on a big name like Nathan Finocchio on Instagram who's like life mission is basically to like decredit deconstructionist and it's like hey man like i get it orthodoxy totally like god's word is god's word but like have you considered why this person and and invertedly right you know like deconstructionist have you considered that like that like yes like shame not in line but like hey like we can't then because of that like decide that what we feel and what was like comfortable what we like you know like yeah big time theology you know cool terms here you know it's the whole like exegesis eisegesis thing right and like if anybody's listening doesn't know like exegesis is the idea of like 
what is the actual intent of this scripture? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm reading this and I'm considering cultural background and I'm considering right. the audience at the time. And it's like, like the meaning comes from the text is exactly. kind of the catch line, right? And then I see Jesus is I read the text and I take my meaning and I put it on the text. And, and it's like, I kind of think that um, like a really rigid version of I'm going to pull the meaning out of the text, like almost this like, and I'm not going to consider that like, is there a scriptural norm or like a gospel imperative, if you will, that came mm-hmm. out of this, right? Because if we don't do that, well, then aren't you cool? Like, let's go stone everyone. That, yeah. You know, like you have to consider what came after as well it's almost kind of the tension at play there, right? Of like, we can't, again, we can't be all orthodoxy and we can't be all generosity. Like we have to find a way where we go like, listen, like, you know, like you are welcome at the, you know, interaction with Jesus as you come, that is true, you know, but, but like, if you've truly encountered him, then there is a difference. Like then there is a change, right. You know, right. And again, it's the going to no more, right? And, and, and it doesn't mean that things look perfect, right? No. Like, there are days where I am a hot mess, you know? But like, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I, I think it's, it's the, the tension, right, in, in the church right now. Is, I mean, that is the big conversation, it feels like, on social media. I mean, gosh, boy, it gets heated on Christian Twitter, that's for sure. Yeah. About, you know? So yeah. Well, and I, I love what you said, because I think... Uh you know, generosity and orthodoxy is just more poetic way of saying grace and truth. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like just a poetic way of saying it. And I love that it's, it's good, you know, and I'm writing like some stuff down recently, which actually, I don't really know of a ton of uh, controversy on social media because I jumped off and I haven't jumped back on at all. Yeah, I'm addicted to the machine. I'm a yeah. I'm a token millennial. I'm like, give me social content. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm I am, but I was never really good at it, and I just wasted too much time. So I'm trying to be off of it, and I like it, but whatever. That's a different conversation. This conversation we're in though is I think it's interesting because when you talk about the whole, there's a lot of Jesus going on and a lot of exegesis going on. And there's a lot of like conversations. But to be clear, I do want to just go like, I use that more as a, a metaphor. It's technically speaking, exegesis is like not wrong. That's what you should be doing, but it, right. Yeah. But you're using it in the way. <laughs> using it like, as an, an allegory. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. We should all just, be exegeting. I, just, look, I don't need, I don't need like Dr. Anderson <laughs> listening to this and being like, I failed this student. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you not pay? Dave, you're not, you're clearly not superior. Anyways. Did you not pay $2,200 for a three credit class to learn that that was the way, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We should all be exegeting the text correctly okay, using the cultural things. Go Rams. Yes. Yeah. yes. But what I'm saying is I started writing this thing a while ago. I thought of this sermon series and I've just kind of been formulating the ideas about it, but it's called the church hurt me too. And I think like that is an interesting thing, because if we deny the church, the hurt that the church has had, it's it's it isolates people who have been hurt by the church. And then it it creates a a way for them to continue to be hurt in the future. And if we talk about it, it's going to open wounds for other people. But we need to. I'm not saying the church hurt me, too, as if Jesus hurt me because Jesus didn't. His people did. And that's okay to acknowledge 
because it's also biblical. Like Jesus yeah. did, it's like you see it throughout scripture, right? And you see it in these places that church people hurt. And, it, and I love, I know we love to throw it out there. The Pharisees hurt somebody, you know, it's like, shut up. You're being that person right now. Like yeah. that book that Peter Haas wrote, The Pharisee and Me, right? Is like, it's a really interesting book because you read it and you're like, oh crap. Like I'm doing yeah. that, you know? And it's interesting to think about that. So I wrote, I was writing, I'm thinking like the church hurt me too, is this way where we can kind of unify from our hurts, not mm -hmm. repeat them, acknowledge yeah. them, and then move forward through them. Well, and I think that's so, I don't know, you know, so kind of on the nose of like, I guess th there's this like tension for people to acknowledge, you know, that something is, is bad, you know, like. Um, and again, like there's this difference, you nailed it, right? There's this difference of like, like Jesus did not hurt me. You know what I mean? Like the experience, you know, personally, the experiences I had on staff at these places, you know, where they were, you know, things that didn't go well, or, you know, just, you know, leaders that, you know, maybe were even well intentioned, but it was, you know, just not healthy situations. Like, you know, that wasn't Jesus being like, yes, I condone this, right? Exactly. The reality that like, it's, it's very easy for all of us to just kind of agree on the fact that like people are imperfect and we're going to like, I'm going to miss the mark, like in terms of like, Hey, that's why I need grace every day, you know, like right, right. but we turn it into like, so pastoral staffs, that's not true of now. Right. You know, right. like, and, and so I think like the, the tension at play there, right. Is acknowledging that I can, I can actually care for the church in the best way possible by acknowledging its shortcomings and the key though right is like it's like when you're a kid right and you're in like your teacher's like hey you can have a criticism as long as you bring a solution right exactly kind of the whole idea of like like you know yeah I, I don't have an interest in sitting around and just bashing the church right because the church has also done immense good in my life. The church has also right. been the reason that I like through some rough seasons still had hope, right? Connecting place, right? To Jesus. It was yeah. a place where I learned a lot of things that I didn't know that I hadn't, yeah. learned. you know, like it's kind of the whole, you know, iron sharpens iron at, at the meta scale or not meta, at the macro scale, you know, um, don't Facebook, go Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook me. on my mind. Yeah. Uh, at the macro <laughs> scale, right. You know, and, um, but like acknowledging that, like, but obviously it is comprised of people, obviously, like when you look at the fact that we don't have like, other than Jesus, we don't have an example of a single, like forefather of the church or biblical hero who just like never got it wrong. Right. Who just you know, killed it. Like, yeah. you know, Hugh David. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like just cue anything, right. You know, you peter q anyone yeah exactly you know so you go like so if that was true of them and these are people who are like a man after god's heart or peter like literally tangibly spent time like he physically touched god with flesh on right if we really believe the bible right yeah there he he you know he touched him you know and he immediately got it wrong and was like yeah. I don't know that guy. who's that guy yeah. from who who what yeah you know like so then obviously i can't be like blown away that like i don't know my pastor from like riverside california didn't get it right but it's like but we have to be willing to engage in the fact that like <coughs> we have to be willing to engage in the fact that just because we got it wrong doesn't mean we can't do it better 
but like right. let's acknowledge let's acknowledge the problem right and let's do better yeah you know? and, and it well, feels like nobody wants to have that conversation right because if we acknowledge that we did it wrong and it acknowledges that there's a problem with the church we don't acknowledge the problem with the church and if somebody acknowledges that it's wrong well then from the other side it's like oh well like you're just this person coming for the church and you're trying to discredit the gospel and it's like nah man i just no. don't think that like this person who clearly shouldn't be in ministry should have this <laughs> swept under the rug like I think right right should go counseling instead right and right like, so it's, it's just crazy you well know? and i think we've we've battled this tension and this is this is like maybe a controversial thing to say but we battle this tension in all of our life right now where we will have one side that will acknowledge or will not acknowledge and then the other side it's a tension between acknowledge and abolish abolish so one side is like i won't acknowledge and the other side is like if you won't acknowledge then just abolish so what if we come in the middle and if we say hey i'll acknowledge things are wrong but i'm not going to abolish it outright so we'll meet in the middle of somewhere Mm -hmm. And that's, those are two A words. And it feels like we're both on either side and it's like, that's what happens. So then how, how do we, and then we just, and you can't live life off of a 30 second TikTok clip. Not, no one gets saved from a TikTok clip, like on either side. Right. It's like, yeah. Hey, put down your phone. I got a Bible verse for you. John three sixteen. It's like, or Hey, Jesus's name isn't Jesus. How about both of you just shut up and have a real com- I'm sorry. That's rude. I shouldn't say that, but no, but you know I'm saying like, yeah. What, what's interesting about what you're saying is it kind of clicks like, and we acknowledge this reality anywhere it feels like, but the church, right? Or yeah, actually, I take that back. I'm going to pick another thing where it feels like maybe we don't acknowledge this reality and parallel that maybe it's the same thing going on from the same people. Um, like realistically, um, probably like 80% of America can probably agree on most things, right? Mm-hmm. If we get like radicalized and we don't go ridiculous, <laughs> you know, but like, but like what's, what gets clicks, right? What, what causes people to like pay attention and have an argument on Twitter, right? You know, what gets, you know, people's like stories viewed where they can, you know, monetize whatever, like, <clears throat> like, what what makes news is radically separated opinions and realistically yeah i mean there is the like crazy person that's like burn the government down was the new independence day you know but like probably most people you or i know who would say like hey i'm a conservative right also we're like what are these people doing? Right, right, right. Like, you know, like probably not, you know? Right. And like, and then it's the whole like invert, right? Like, yeah, sure. There is probably some like, (laughs) I'm going to be a jerk here. Like there's probably some like, I don't know, French art major in school somewhere who thinks that the government should just like pay for everything and like (laughs) everything should be socialized and like school should be free and you know this should be free and like universal basic income and like housing should be free and blah 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 blah. but like probably most people you or i know who identify as like on the liberal side of the aisle are like no man i just think we should support 
like mothers with infant children right not let them starve like no man i just think that like a path to you know citizenship shouldn't be like effectively a powerball ticket you know like like and, and i'm trying to be like very generous with oh yeah, yeah for sure going like you know like there's there's reasonable arguments at play there and we probably like if we can strip politics out of it and just say like as people can we agree that like hey america is a very like prosperous place comparatively it makes sense that somebody would be like hey man uh, i live in the ukraine and russia is nuts i don't want to live here anymore like you know what's crazy is my entire life we've been on the brink of war like i would like to listen like i think it's like we could probably understand why that guy might want to immigrate yep like and like and like let's not let's not bat him around the bush let's either just like have a process where like it's a yes or a no right you know (laughs) and it's not sunken money that like you have no idea you know like let's just let's have a process and conversely right like hey yeah like no one is saying that we just want you to like abolish the military you know right yeah right like we probably all agree like especially like if you're somewhere in the realm of our ages like yeah like terrorism's not cool (laughs) like let's let's have protection against that yeah let's have a plan but like, hey, like maybe transparency and how we pay for this stuff would be better. And like, right, me just infinitely inflating government debt to China isn't a great idea. You know, <laughs> like we probably can all agree on a lot of this stuff. But yeah, we can stop feeling like we have to like hold the guard side of the aisle. And like to bury the lead, I'm like, hey, everybody sucks. And George Washington thought that the biparty system is the whole reason we had the freaking war of independence. So like, anyways, (laughs) that's my infomercial, but you know. History lesson aside, yeah. But you know, like, but the whole point is like, I I think like if we can strip like um, the like emboldening factor, like whatever thing, like whatever line we feel like we have to hold I think is more what causes some of these like polarizing mm. conversations than is our actual deepest thought. Because it's like, again, like anybody can say whatever they want about some like snowflake deconstructionist on Christian Twitter, but like put that person across the aisle from somebody who was like raped by somebody in the church. Yep. You know, like, and I'm, that's obviously an extreme story. Those are, yeah, exactly. But yeah. But like, but like they're not going to be like, well, how dare you come from my church? Like, right. Clearly you're going to hear that story and be a wreck, you know, yeah. like, you Absolutely. know, conversely, you know, it's like, you know, like people that are like saying like, yeah, like, you know, like the other side of the deconstruction argument, like, it's not like they're going to sit down with somebody who's like, yeah, but like God's word is God's word. And they're going to be like, no, it's not right. You know, like, it's like, yeah, that's true. I just don't think that people should use it to like manipulate positions of power, you know, and like, exactly. like these conversations, like we probably agree more on what than we think, you know, yeah. um, or then, then can sometimes feel like is the case when we look at, you know, Twitter, right. And, or Instagram or, you know, wherever, you know, whatever, maybe there's some like really niche, like theology argument forum that I'm not on. I don't know. Like yeah. whatever. I don't know. Maybe like some subreddit, like r slash deconstruction versus, you know, whatever, like cake match, I don't know, like whatever that subreddit is like, uh, but again, you know, it's so easy to just sit back and be like, oh yeah, like this is never going to work, you know, like just divided. And, you know, and I think like, for me, I I feel like this, (laughs) this need almost 
to like challenge both sides. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, like, hey, your heart is valid, right? Agreed. You know, uh, but, right? Or like, hey, your defense of the gospel is valid, but like, that's not what's at play here. Right. You know? Yep. So, yeah. And I think it's being willing to have these conversations, right? Like you have to be willing to have the conversation and be willing to, to step in the ring. And that's what I love about, that's what I love about um, like getting to work in the secular space, if you call it yeah. like rather than vocational ministry is any conversation I bring up the people across the table for me, the guys at the, at the plant are, they're willing to talk through it. They're willing to say, Hey, no, I disagree with you. Or I just don't agree with that or whatever. You know, one of the guys at our work is a flat earther and he w- will go at it, you know? Okay, and no, 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 don't, don't make accommodations for him. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I we go at, and it's funny because I'm like, have you ever seen sure. the meme, by the way, where it's like a flat earth Facebook group and somebody's like, picture of the globe from space, blah, blah, yeah, blah. And yeah. somebody's like, say that again out loud. <laughs> <laughs> picture of the globe. Okay, so we had some technical difficulties. So part of that conversation might have gotten lost. But I guess the final, I guess the final urge would just be that if you find yourself listening, my ask for you and you and you feel like you are on one of those polarizing sides. Yeah. I would just ask you the last time you had a real conversation with somebody you disagreed with on that topic. And I would encourage you to have a conversation with these people because you probably know somebody. There's probably somebody on Facebook who you have muted or have unfollowed or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. that you know and you know well and that, you know, feels differently than you do on that topic. And I would just say, have a conversation with them. Reach out, be honest with them. Tell them, listen. Exactly. I, I don't agree with you on this. And I've seen you post a lot about this, but this is not me coming to tell you, I think you're wrong. I just want to hear you out. And I just want to listen because I yeah. just want, I just want to understand. And, and like, you don't have to go out to the coffee, you know, and right. like, Hey, we all have FaceTime and cell phones and zoom and Microsoft teams. And I think Facebook messenger can do video calls. You know what I mean? Like, like just, just ask them, Hey, can I have 10 minutes and can you just explain to me why you feel the way you feel? Right. And I think the thing that you will find, and I could be wrong, you know, there could be some people that for whatever reason, yeah, they really are just out to get the church, you know, and, and whatever. And I don't know, you know, like um, there's always going to be crazy people, right. You know, and, Amen. and conversely, if you're on the, you know, opposite side of the kind of the example I'm using. Yeah. There are people that, just don't understand grace and just don't understand, you know, like that, you know, like pain is real. And apparently they've had this amazing, incredible life where they've never felt pain or hurt, you know, like, right. Uh, I get it. Like, you know, there, there is that person out there, but like, I, I think most people would find that you, you actually really understand that person's viewpoint. Yeah. And there are probably big portions of it that you, um, you feel even like, you know, you can, you can resonate with, right. You know, through, through your lens and your experience and like, and you don't have to agree with them at the end of the conversation. Right. You, yeah. you don't have to say like, Hey, okay. You know what? You've swayed me. Yeah. Like let's tear it all down. Or like you've swayed me. Yeah. Like let's just build a bigger wall. Like, no, like that's not the point, but I think that you will find that if you will engage 
maybe an overarching theme to this conversation, right? If you will engage in like messy conversations, right? That like you will probably be surprised at the outcome. You will probably not be surprised, like, well, yeah, that person told me like to die. That person yeah, told me to right. drive off a cliff. Like you probably had more in common with that person and you probably had more to offer that person and be offered by that person than right. you thought. You know, whether it's a shift yeah. in perspective, whether it's you know, the person that just opens up out of nowhere, 2.30 on a Tuesday, right? Like, just like have that messy conversation. Yeah. And I think that's a gospel thing to do. Jesus had messy conversations, you know, he walked up to people, he engaged in the conversation and uh, he asked questions. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned best from my wife that I'm terrible at implementing in my life, but I'm trying is just being empathetic, right? I naturally in my personality, I'm not an empathetic person. And so for her, she's a very empathetic person. And so teaching me to be able to now being going on 10 years in ministry. Now I'm able to empathize more with people than I ever did because I've had what what this phrase I always used to say is I like to show you my scars so you don't have to have them. So, and I feel like that's the whole point of this podcast is when we can have stories about where they've been and we can have fun. We can talk about pizza hut. We can talk about everything, Mm -hmm. but we can have stories about, Hey, where I've been can give somebody else some hope and somebody else some healing for where we're going forward. And I think that is completely implemented in your story. Now I'm not going to share your story. I think like what you've shared today, being hurt by the church and then coming full circle recruiter working in it. But now where if anyone has followed you or your incredible wife, Logan on Instagram, they've seen you leading worship, they're serving. And so you're, you're still using not only your gift, but you're also talking to somebody at two 30 and using your pastoral gift. So that's the beauty of it is if you, I believe if you fight through the tension and if you fight through the th- feelings of, I hate everyone who's ever had anything to do with this, there's yeah. a gift on the other side and there's a grace on the other side that can minister to people in incredible ways. And so that's what I want to say is, you know, that I appreciate about your story. I appreciate about anyone's story who walks through hard things um, and and is able to come on the other side, church, not church. I don't care if you walk through a hard season, you come on the other side and you share about it. There's power in that. Like, and so I I just think that's, that's a powerful thing. And that's the whole idea of that. If we can get people around the conversation, if we can get them in a zoom call, I mean, you're in Dallas, I'm in Illinois and Chicago land, right? Like we're able to do this, right? We we've hung out once in the past four years and we hung out for like five hours one night when I was in Dallas and it was the same. So, but having those conversations at those restaurants, those are real and it's, yeah. and you're able to move forward. So if you bring that to every aspect of your life, not just your friends, yeah. but every aspect, what could happen and what could the world look like? And that's, that's what it. I'm thinking. That's it, man. Yeah. I think just, you know, the, the beauty, right. If you look at the, the gospel and you look at Jesus and, and who he picked, right. It was not people that had it all together and were perfect. And if anything, it was the opposite, right? And so I think like to just kind of add then you know, not needed, you said it great, but to add to your point, I think if we will just be willing to bring ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, to the equation, right? You know, Jesus didn't call these fishermen and say, but go take a shower, shave your beard and cut your hair and you know let's let's make it modern day right he didn't say and sell your sell your bass boat 
and get out of that Columbia, you know, the one Fisher guy shirt that every guy who fishes wears, right? With the little Velcro strap coming for you if you wear those, uh, you know, and your Bass Pro hat, you know, and your 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 hiking boots that for some reason you wear out on a boat. Come on, we're coming you for know, you. You didn't say get rid of all those things and you need to look like this and you need to feel this way. He just said, come as you, come and follow me. And like the rest will be cool. And I think if I can kind of like transpose that over to our conversation, it's like, however you feel about the things that we've talked about today, like if we agree that like, Hey, but like Jesus is good. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think that that the church can be a great place, right? Great. Or you already think it is, or you think that then there's just hope, right? That it can be like, then like bring that, bring that whole self to it with hurts or scars or with doubts or with fears. And, uh, and like, that will work. That is enough. And if you bring that to like, maybe that conversation that you're feeling like really like a little crap, I really think he's right. I think I need to have that conversation and I don't want to like, bring yourself to that conversation as you are and just listen like yeah and it will work out it will be yeah. okay yeah amen that's good stuff right there it's yeah. good stuff man well i uh our time is almost up and the only final thing i have to say is you owe me a package of cocoa butter from college yeah. <laughs> oh man <laughs> i don't think is that a, is that a story i can tell here <laughs> i don't think it is <laughs> I, I guess I'll tell, I guess I'll tell the, the part of it that's just fact is I, uh, me and Jeff lived on like the fourth or fifth floor of a, like a, this freaking dorm building was like dormitory, a, man. They've remodeled it. It's way nicer than when we lived. There. Well, when we lived there, it was like the initial remodel of what was literally like, if I understand correctly, like a mental hospital, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a hospital for people that had like gone insane, literally yeah. insane. And they turned it into a dorm because obviously what <laughs> wood paneling and college yeah. age dudes, you know what I mean? No AC sweat smelled great in there all the time. And, uh, those humid Minnesota summers just smelled great. Oh, not like Wolf. sweaty dudes. Um, yeah, but, uh, there was like a alley behind it that was down below. That was like the basement. So it was effectively six floors of like industrial floors, you know? So it's like, Oh I, yeah. It's a like, jump. It's quite a hike feet in the air, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know that I don't even know what 70 feet looks like. I don't know. Like it, that's just an arbitrary number. It was really tall. It was just really high. I, I was going to say it feels higher than 70, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, like, you know, when like somebody can look at a crowd and they're like, Oh, that's like 250 people. I yeah. can't, I cannot do that. Yeah. I, I look like, at it. Oh, I'm like, there's a is, lot of people. That's a number of people. Like, <laughs> uh, I, so yeah, it was really tall. It was really freaking tall. We'll go with that. And I, uh, I threw multiple things of Jeff's out that window, uh, being funny. I thought Jeff probably being like, who is this jerk? This yeah. guy just thinks I'm made of money. Go buy more cocoa butter for my tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Let's clarify that. I had a tattoo that I needed to put cocoa butter on. Yeah. Dave walks up. I'll be your accountability partner, takes the cocoa butter and throws it out the window. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah, and I so you can fill in the lines from there. Yeah, <laughs> you can fill in the lines from there. Yeah, I was I was the best to be around, but somehow, 
somehow Jeff still wanted to go hang out at the core and go to McDonald's with me that Come one on. all history. And Jeff was like, no, man, you got to get a cinnamon and put two butters on it. And I'm that's true. And that's the way to do it. And I was like, whoa. That's tr- I did. I did say that because I had McDonald's, many McDonald's times. McDonald's sensei. But I is- will say it has taken years off my life and my metabolism has increasingly slowed in my 30s. So, you know, you had you had cinnamons with butter. I had Pizza Hut and Wing Street Wings. And yep. here we are just a couple of couple of old dudes, couple of old dudes. You're you know, you've committed to the bald and I just have a bald spot. So I wear a lot of hats. Hey man, if all I had was a bald spot, I would not have committed to the bald. Let yeah. me just put it that way. I had, I had like genetics and life choices working against me. It was like Jesus and Moses teamed up. They were like, <laughs> this guy's hair. Old Testament and New Testament. I'm with you. They were like, it's done. It is finished. Yeah. All right. Dude, well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. And uh, this is an absolute blast. Yep. Thanks for listening to that uh, podcast conversation with Dave Hendrick. Um, I think there's a lot of awesome things that we can really talk through. Yeah. I mean, they're really actually funny too. Let's be honest. Stories. I felt like I will say this, like it, it almost, if I wasn't friends with you back then, just you got your guys's conversation and experiences. It felt like, at least for me listening, that I was there with you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just hearing you guys share the stories and just just like joking. I'm like, dang, I could for sure see myself in that as like a group of friends just laughing together. Yeah. And gosh, when was the last time you guys saw each other? Uh, We hung out, I think, two years ago in Dallas. And before that, it was f- three or four years. Right. Like that's crazy. So it's been twice in the past six years, which is insane. Like you wouldn't think that honestly. So it's just really, really cool to kind of see how you guys really just clicked right back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can tell you guys have been friends for such a long time and have a deep friendship. Yeah. Um, so I loved how funny it was, but like you were saying, there were still some deep moments that he hit at for in, sure in the episode too. For sure. Yeah. And I think the, the cool part is like that, you know, we became really great friends. You know, I was, uh, or he was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his. Right, I didn't right. know about that until two days before the wedding. So <laughs> shots fired at you. Um, but you know, it, it was like, you just had kind of that, that tight knit friendship and, yeah. um, you know, it, it was a really just a fun time to hang out. But I right. think a, a, a few things that he hit on were really interesting and thought provoking in conversation um, were just his aspects around like his life through ministry and the challenges yeah. and the seasons and the ups and the downs. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about, you highlighted was he said for him, he needed his paycheck and his ministry to be separate. Right. And he felt like he was a better follower of Jesus and a better discipler when he was separate from that, just right. because of everything goes into it. And yep. I think that that speaks a lot just for me thinking about that Mm. you really have to be intentional um, because you can either over spiritualize everything or you can become numb to many things that should be spiritual and you can really skew a lot of things Mm. when your life and your job and your money and your social life yeah. And everything is just surrounding the church. And that's not right. a bad thing. I think no. it should be connected it can be to good. community. Yep. It can absolutely be a good thing. But I think it can turn bad 
when it's becoming the only thing because it can right. become a thing that's happened to me in my life. And that's why I feel like I identify with this so much is that I was my job for God was more important than my relationship with God. Right. What I produced mm. in the church was more important than what was being produced in me right. through my spiritual relationship. And so, right. And, and, and that's on me. That's totally my oh, fault. Oh, for sure. Right. Right. But Accountability. I feel like it's, yeah. yeah. But I feel like it's an easy thing to do, you know? So, and oh, I know you, yeah. you, you, you worked in ministry full time, but then also did part, you know, back and forth. So, how right. was that for you? You feel similar? Yeah. I would say that's, it's very similar in the sense that when I think about the important kind of, I'm going, I'm kind of reflecting on what you just said, but I will say so many times I was thinking, Oh, I have to make sure I lead a one-on-one. I can't miss the one-on-one this week or small groups, you know, one-on-one small groups, whatever it was, it was focused on how did my, how did my small group go? And, you know, are they growing? If they're not growing or if they're not, if I'm not meeting these checklists or did you make it to the Bible study or didn't you, did you make it to church all four days, all four Sundays of the week? You know, if you're thinking of like making these checklists and, but I'm not, I'm more focused on the doing instead of the being, Mm. you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to, you know, kind of almost like do the presence of God instead of be in the presence of God. And so that was something I know that was a struggle for me for a long time while doing ministry all the time was it was like ministry was the job, right? but you have to rest sometime. And what are you right. going to do when you rest if that's your job? Right. You know, and so I think for me, that was difficult to find, find the balance. I know some people can do it really well and it's, and they thrive with it. But I know for me, it, it was for sure a struggle to um, kind of have that balance, kind of like what you were saying, but also what Dave was saying as well. Um, just needing to, needing to have those be separate where going to, then to the corporate world, where you work 40 hours a week in a corporate setting, but then you go to church on Sunday or you have your community throughout the week, that sometimes can actually be um, healthier spiritually for you. Yeah. Even though absolutely. you're quote unquote, not in the ministry anymore. Right. And I, and I think it's, it's a, it's a tension to manage, you know, if you're listening to this in ministry, you know how easy it is to just let everything be completely surrounded and, and be consumed by the numbers right. or by the tithe or by yep. whatever. And um, it's really easy to do that because it's measurable, exactly. you know, like yep. we were talking in a small group this past week and I was talking with some guys and, and we posed this question of, Hey, it's really easy to measure your impact and to measure your input in your job. If you're a carpenter, you know, Hey, I, I laid this much, track i i built this many walls or whatever stud yeah. put this much drywall up yep. it doesn't matter if you're you know say you're a, a counselor i had this many meetings or you yep. know sales i made this many sales calls we can, it's right. very easy to measure our input and it's very easy to measure kind of what came from that but in a spiritual sense it's it's a lot different because you yeah. plant seeds um and then the soil is not on you the soil mm. is on them yep. And then God is the one who grows and God's the one who brings the increase. So the rub on really what we're talking about is that when we begin to make the product be the, what comes from solid ministry, Mm. 
And like you said, it, it, I have no time to be with God outside of my job. It can turn into this tough situation, I think, where we're really not resting. We're really not growing because right. it doesn't really matter if we grow personally. It matters if we grow corporately. Right. Right. And the problem is yeah. if you don't grow personally, your corporate failures will mm. be public and terrible and detrimental. Yep. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you have to take away from that. Yeah. And I think the hardest part of that is really getting out of your own way. Yeah. True. It's the ego. And that's what I tell, yep. tell people that God's dealing with me the most on lately mm. is my own ego. Right. That I want things to go faster than they should. Things should go faster than they should. I want people to grow faster. I want you right. know, m- numbers, all this yep. stuff and it grow faster. Maybe then it should, or maybe it shouldn't grow at all. You know, mm. in this season, I don't right. know. I think healthy things should grow, Yeah, but I'm just saying it's all of my ego is the issue. Yeah. So I think that, that really, if I'm focused on myself, I can't be focused on what God wants me Right. Be focused on which is him. Exactly. That's yeah. a good word. That's true. So, I don't know. It's a lot of talking about yeah. the subject. And it's difficult because each person has experience. Yeah. So you you don't know what that experience is going to be or where it's going to lead you. Right. One thing I can say is this thing that I go back to more often than not is that what Jesus said in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Mm-hmm. He's speaking. And it's one of the I am statements that he yeah. makes in the gospels to, to proclaim that he is the Lord. He is God. Mm -hmm. He says, I am the true vine. And if you want to be, uh, have life in you, you need to be connected to me, to the vine. That's right. If you want to be connected to the vine and the the revelation that I always bring to my mind is this, is that Jesus is saying he's the true vine. He's not saying he's Mm -hmm. the only vine, right? Meaning you can connect yourself to other things. A lot of vines. And those other things will produce fruit in you. Now, yeah. will that fruit be good fruit? Will it be fruit that's building to the believer and right. fruit that's good for your community, ethical, will it be all the things? Who yep. knows? It depends knows? on what you're connected to. Yeah. So he he says, I'm the true vine. And, and I think it's mm. interesting because we can connect ourselves to so many different areas, but what's the fruit going to be? Right. He says, if, when you produce, when you're connected to me, you produce fruit and you grow. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you're not producing fruit and you're not growing, then that's when you get cut off yep, because exactly. you're not in me. And yep. so that's would be my encouragement to anyone who's listened to this rambling conversation between <laughs> two people who definitely don't have it figured out no. is stay connected to the vine, stay right. connected to Jesus. To the true vine. At yep. the end of the day, you can argue through theological things. You can argue through updates. You can argue through whatever you yeah. want. You could say, hey, you need to be in it vocationally or you need to be in it bivocationally the end of the day none of that matters what matters is are you connected to jesus because jesus is the answer he is the true vine and that's the reason that we do what we do amen well love you guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time another episode of where they've been